joy-filled, as we continue our series called Joy-Filled through the book of Philippians, um, we, uh, we could make a list of things we're joyful about. We could. This is uh, the season of making lists. Am I right? Some of you have already made lists. Maybe they're to-do lists, things you have to do before people start showing up at your house. And if you're like me, maybe you're procrastinating on some of those. Maybe you have the list of these are the people that we have to buy presents for, and here's the ones we have not checked off yet. Anybody with me? There's still some on my list because I don't do any of the shopping in my house. So, you know, there's, there's people on the list. It's that time of year where you're making a list and you're checking it twice because you want to find out. It's naughty and nice. Okay, yeah, I was wondering if you are with me. So we like to make lists, and as we get into chapter 3, even the Apostle Paul makes a list. He makes a list for us, and he's going to put all of the things on his list in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ, and they're, going to, they're not going to amount to very much. So a joy-filled faith in Christ is what we're going to look at this morning in chapter 3, all the way to verse 1 of chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, please follow along as I read it in its entirety, and then we will work our way back through it. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks that he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead." Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory is their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. This is God's word. 
First thing that we see is a joy-filled faith in Christ puts no confidence in the flesh. A joy-filled faith in Christ puts no confidence in the flesh. He begins with, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in what? In the Lord. He's like, I'll repeat myself if I have to, because it's actually no, no harm for me, and it's actually a benefit for you. I'll repeat myself. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. There's a lot of things that we can rejoice in. There's a lot of things that we could put on our list that we're thankful for. A lot of things that bring us joy. We could talk about our health. We could talk about our wealth. We could talk about our possessions. We could talk about our children. We could talk about our grandchildren. And some of you, you talk about your grandchildren. Am I right? You talk about, you're more proud of your grandchildren than your own children. Yeah, well, so we could write down a lot of things. We could put all those things on the list. And then on the other side, we could say, rejoice in the Lord. And our rejoicing in the Lord should far outweigh any other rejoicing that we have in earth. Anything else that we could put on there, because joy is from the Lord. So we rejoice in the Lord. Galatians 5, 22, you're, you might be familiar with this. Talking about the fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Joy. Joy comes not from physical asset, assets, not from physical achievements, does it come from religious adherence? You know where joy comes from? It comes from the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in your spiritual dependence on him. So Paul begins this way. He's like, finally, brothers, just rejoice in the Lord. But I'm going to tell you this. Watch out for dogs. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, also I, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Paul says, hey, I want you to watch out for things that are going to rob your joy. Church, there's three things on the list right here that can rob your joy. Beware of joy-robbing dogs. Not the one you bought at the, at the pound or anything like that. That's not what we're talking about. Beware of joy-robbing dogs. Beware of joy-robbing evildoers. And beware of joy-robbing self-achievements. Beware of dogs. Now, to really understand this mutilation of the flesh, we have to understand in context what's happening here. There's these Judaizers, they called them. They were Jewish believers who believed in Jesus Christ, but also wanted to adhere to the Jewish customs and rituals. And so they came in and they were like, yeah, 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 you, you need to know Jesus, but you also need to be circumcised. You also need to follow all these rules. And so in Acts 15, as we went through, we saw that the Jerusalem council met and they're like, no, no, your faith, your faith is in Christ, in Christ alone. You are saved by faith in grace alone, by Christ alone. Like, this is not by works. You, you cannot do anything to earn salvation. And so they decided this is not what it is. So he's like, look, you need to beware of joy-robbing dogs. Dogs are not that cute, cuddly puppy that you bought. The one that's, you know, that you're going to wrap up and put underneath the tree or anything like that. It's not fluffy. It's not your, uh, your, your poodle mix that you paid extra money for. The dogs back in this day were a pack of ravenous wolves, just scavengers. They were wild animals. They would run in packs, and they would rum rumble through the trash. They would, they would attack people. They would bite at your heels. These were dogs. Beware of dogs. But he's not talking about the real dogs. He's talking about 
people who are called dogs. Now, dogs was a racial slur back in the day. Actually, Jews would call Gentiles dogs. Oh, they're dogs. We see this pop up even in, in Mark chapter 7, verses 27 and 28, where the Syrophoenician woman is pleading with Jesus to cast out the demons from her daughter. And, and it reads this way, And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Wow, Jesus is using a racial slur here? We believe that Jesus is saying this because there are other Jews listening that would have been saying those things, and so he's throwing it back at them, like, you're going to call, you're going to call Gentiles dogs? And she answered him, yes, Lord, even dogs, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. What a beautiful picture that Gentiles, this metaphor for Christianity, those who had not been given the bread up front, the Jews were given that, but the crumbs were falling off the table, and those who longed to feed on Christ were waiting on him. And they were going to be brought into the kingdom, and yes, there will one day be a seat for you in glory at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen? What a beautiful picture. So he's saying back to these dogs, he's calling these Jews dogs now, these are the dogs. These are the ones. These are the false teachers. These are the ones that come in that you need to beware of. And so Jesus would have even said this in Matthew 7, 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Paul says, listen, there's some things that can rob your joy. And it is false teachers. If you begin to listen to false teachers that tell you there's something you must do to be right before God, it will rob your joy because you'll never do enough you'll always feel like there's something else you must do to earn God's favor, and you will never have joy in that. And if you were raised in a religion, if you were raised in, in, a, in a home that taught you that you have to do these things to be right with God, may God's grace and his mercy melt your heart so that you know that there is nothing that you can do. But it is a gift of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Beware of joy-robbing evildoers. Look out for evildoers. So if the dogs are these false teachers or Judaizers, then the evildoers are those who follow works-based religion. As we said last week and as a commentary put it, what's the difference between evil workers and good workers? The evil workers work for their salvation versus genuine believers who work out their salvation. You are saved unto good works, but your good works do not save you. And there are many who buy into the lie that think there are certain things you must do in order to be right before God. There are other religions out there, and there are people who will come to your doorstep to tell you that there are things that you must do to be right before God, and these are evil workers. But they think that they're good workers. As Charles Swindoll put it, such folks live on to this day, spreading their heresy, their message is full of exhortations to do more, to work harder, to witness longer, to pray with great intensity, because enough is never enough. Such folks are evil workers who will take away what little bit of joy you may be able to muster. I would also add that when you never know how much is enough to satisfy God, you are left in a continual state of shame and obligation. Ob ob I can't get that word out. Your mind never rests. The message of the legalist always finds you lacking. It never brings relief. We need to beware of such messengers. They are, according to Scripture, evil workers.
There is evil workers who think that they can work out their salvation by what they do and they don't do. And they think that they're right. And when we think that we're right because of what we do and we don't do, we don't have joy, we have judgment. We begin to judge rather than be joy-filled. And when we, come to be, when we get to be judgmental because we're not doing what I thought we should be doing, we will lose our joy in Christ. Romans 14, 17, Paul put it this way, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not a matter of do's and don'ts. It's not a matter of following rules. It's not a matter of getting all these things on the list of I do this, I do this, I do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this. That robs your joy in Christ. But true, true relationship with Jesus Christ is Righteousness, found only in him. Peace, found only in Christ. And joy, given by a relationship with only Jesus Christ. Number three, beware of self-achievements. Beware of the robbing, of the joy-robbing self-achievements. Verse three, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Put no confidence in the flesh. He says, watch out. Any confidence in the flesh kills joy, faith, joy filled faith in Christ. Any confidence in the flesh will kill your joy. He says in verse 5, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So he makes his list here. He makes this list of, listen, I, I have a lot to be confident about. He starts off and he says, listen, I'm, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm a I'm a part of the Israel nation. I'm a tribe of Benjamin. I'm, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. In our terms, it would be like, listen, I was born and raised in church. I'm from the Bible Belt. Listen, like I was two days old and they brought me and put me in the nursery. Like I was raised in church. I was sprinkled. I was infant baptized, maybe. I was dedicated before the church. They even, they even picked a verse for me and they gave me a little Bible that was blue or pink. I mean, I've been in church my entire life. I got a lot to be confident about. But those things do nothing to make you right with Christ. He says, look, I was a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. In today's terms, listen, I got biblical knowledge. I mean, I not, not only was I raised in church, I paid attention in church. I know the felt graph better than you know the felt graph. I know the videos better than you. I watched VeggieTales until I was blue in the face. I went to Awana's, and I got extra patches on my vest that I had to put them on my wall. I know what the Bible says. I can repeat the Bible back to you. I have studied it. I have learned it. I went to Christian school. I didn't go to public school. I went to Christian school. I memorized scripture. I did all the right things followed all the right rules. As far as morals, blameless. 
You weren't going to catch me doing what my friends were doing on Friday night and Saturday night. I'm a good person. But you know what? You put all that stuff on your list, it doesn't really do anything. In, in fact, it says it's rubbish. Listen, you can make your list today. You can make your list to find out if you're naughty or nice. But I got news for you. It's rubbish. Actually, the word rubbish, that's a really clean version. You got to thank the writers, uh, the, the guys who uh, helped write the ESV version. Because other versions, your version might say dung. Some of you, you're so young, you don't even know what the word dung is. Excrement. There's other words, I'm not going to use them from the pulpit, because then I'll get emails. <laughs> but your mind's going there, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I might still get an email. Here's what, here's what Paul says. You put every good thing you've ever done. You put your church attendance on there. You put your Bible memory on there. You put your mission trips on there. You, you put your youth group on there, your kids' church on there, your VBS on there. You put your greeting on there. You put your singing on there. You put everything you can put on there. Look, I've done all of this. Compared to knowing Jesus Christ, it does nothing for your salvation. It's rubbish. And if you buy into the lie that you're a good person, you won't know Christ and you will not have joy. Maybe the reason we lack joy is because we don't see ourselves as as awful as Scripture says that we are. Our joy is in the Lord because the law condemns the best of men, but grace saves the worst of men. And here's a verse that maybe we should apply to our own lives. 1 Timothy 1.15 this saying is trustworthy and deserving full acceptance. Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them. Hey, you can put anything you want on your list, and you're still the worst of sinners. You're still the worst of sinners, and if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, you would be helpless. You would be hopeless, and you'd be lost for all eternity. But praise be to Jesus Christ. Amen? A joy-filled faith in Christ puts the past in the past and presses on towards the prize. Philippians 3, 12 through 16. Let's read these one more time. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything, of you, anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Paul begins this part with, I'm not there yet. The Apostle Paul, who just made this huge list. I'm, guys, I'm not there yet. Some of you are going to be traveling over the next few weeks. You're going to have to travel to go see family. Some of you are going to have to travel hours. You're going to have kids in the back seat. And there might be this one thing that you hear. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No. No, we're not there. I'll let you know when we're there, okay? You'll know. The car will stop, right? Hey, when it comes to your Christian life, are we there yet? 
No. I, I love this. I don't care what's on your list. Look around. You're not there yet. None of us are there yet. Not one of us in here has it all together. Not one of us in here walks in here sinless and blameless today. Every single one of us comes in here with something on our list that we are ashamed of, that we wish was not there. We're not there yet. But grace be to God. We press on. Paul says, I coast on. No. I just kind of remain stationary. I've done a lot of good things. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I'm straining. I'm straining. I'm pressing on. Are we there yet? Are you pressing on? Are you straining on? Are you forgetting the past? I love this idea. It's to neglect the thought. It's just to neglect the thought. I'm just going to neglect that thought. I'm going to care nothing about it anymore. This is perfect for us. We can be joy-filled in Christ because our past does not determine our destination. Yeah, that should have got amen. That's good stuff right there. Our past, we walk in here, our past does not determine where we're going. For those of, you, for those of us who are in Christ, we can forget about the past. It's been washed clean, and we can head on towards the prize, Jesus Christ. Because it's not about what we do. It's about what he has done. No one here is perfect. No one here has arrived. We're not there yet. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of faith, of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's forget about the past. Let's move on to the future. I love what Tony Morita says. We could list the failures of many biblical heroes. You, re you read through your scriptures, you'll see that there are some really messed up people that God used. Only one has never failed. We must also not overinterpret, forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way. To mean avoiding making a situation right or not asking for forgiveness. We must deal with sin. But if we've been forgiven and we've sought to make wrongs right, then forget and run. Don't let Satan bring up accusations against you if Christ has forgiven you. Flee to Christ. Remind yourself of the gospel and press on. There's a difference between the voice of the accuser and the voice of conviction. The voice of conviction reveals to you that there is sin in your life that you are still participating in and that you have not taken to the Father and asked forgiveness of. The accuser brings it back up over and over and over to try to hinder your movement forward. But guess what? Are we there yet? None of us are there yet. So forget about the past. Ask God for forgiveness and move forward, following hard after him. Last thing I want you to see, a joy-filled faith in Christ lives as citizens of heaven, not as residents of sin. Pick up there in verse 17. Brothers, join me in imitating me. Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction and their God is their belly 
and their glory is their shame, with minds set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Paul also writes in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of of the Holy Spirit. Imitation. When it comes to the road of sanctification, who you imitate matters because much of discipleship is caught, not taught. Who are you watching? If you're married, are you watching biblical marriages? Are you trying to imitate that? If, if you're a single young person, if you're walking alone, are you watching others that are doing that? Are you imitating them in their walk? Who you imitate matters. Now, when I was younger, I was blessed to own a Ford Bronco. Now, they're too expensive. I can't do that. But when I was younger, I was a teenager. I had a Ford Bronco 4x4, and I thought it was the greatest car that man had ever made. I still kind of feel that way. And I was young and dumb enough that I thought it was okay to take it off-road, and I didn't care about how it would tear up the car. And so when I would go off-road and put it in four-wheel drive, I was very apprehensive and I was scared because I didn't really want to mess it up. So if I was going off-road, I would make sure that there was someone in front of me in case they went into a puddle that was too deep. I would stop and go, ha, didn't get me. I would follow their tracks. I would see how they maneuver different things. Now, I don't, I don't like off-roading anymore. Like, you can, you can ask Rusty. I don't like that stuff. It's too scary. It's too fast. Listen, if you're not watching the right people, you can quickly wreck your faith. If you're not watching the right people, if you're not being discipled by the right people, you can quickly wreck your faith. And I'm going to say some things, especially to the students, so I hope you're paying attention, but it's really for all of us. Who you follow matters. Who you hang out with matters. Who you listen to matters. Who you idolize matters. Because you will try to be more and more like them, and if they are not like Christ, you will find yourself getting further and further off the path that Christ has for you. If you're an adult, who you follow matters. Who you hang out with matters. Who you idolize matters. Who you listen to matters. Paul would say, hey, I want you to imitate me because I'm going to tell you, with tears, with tears, there are some now who walk as enemies of the cross. Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. That's every parent's favorite memory verse. For many, of whom I've often told you and now tell you, even with tears. You know, when Paul thinks about those who have been in church who have fallen away, he thinks about them with tears. Oh, man, they used to walk with Christ. Oh, man, we used to, we used to share in Christ's sufferings together. We used to serve 
side by side, and, and somewhere along the way, their bellies became more important than their spirituality. Their, their desires for the things of this world become, became way more enticing than the things of the kingdom. With tears, they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is their shame. With minds set on earthly things. Enemies of the cross. According to the context, this appears to be people who make some sort of profession of Christian faith with their lips, but in reality, they oppose the gospel with their walk. And so I'm going to give you this last watch out. Beware. Beware. Following the example of those who walk as enemies of the cross of Christ will lead you to a joyless faith in Christ. If you are imitating people who tell you they are a Christian and yet their life looks nothing like Christ, watch out. Watch out. They, they actually are walking as enemies of the cross. They're walking as enemies they're walking as pretenders. Enemies of the cross put on an appearance of salvation without any sacrifice of sin. There's no change. Enemies of the cross claim to be Christians. They claim to be citizens of heaven, yet they live as citizens of this world. Enemies of the cross live to fill up their lustful appetites, not to surrender their hearts to Christ. Enemies of the cross to glory and praise things that Scripture says they should not. Do not imitate their way of life. It will wreck your faith. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Church, I would ask you to stand firm. Stand firm. Live as citizens of heaven, not as citizens of earth. As we live out this life, we should look like foreigners on earth. Our manner of life should look so different that people will see us and they'll say, not from around here, are you? You're not from around here, are you? You don't act like everybody else. You don't talk like everybody else. I can do this because we're in the South, right? You're not from around here. No. My citizenship is in heaven. And my king sits on a glorious throne. And one day, not because of anything I've done, because it's all rubbish, he's going to return and I will be found not in a righteousness of my own from the law, but in a righteousness that was imputed to me on behalf of his sacrifice. And I await. And as I wait, I stand firm. Church, are you standing firm? I'm going to close with this quote by Stephen Cole. This text is especially a warning to those who profess to be Christians who really are living as citizens of this earth, living for self and pleasure, with no view of the coming of our Lord. I can think of nothing more tragic than to profess to be a Christian, to be involved in serving Christ, and to stand before him one day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? 
and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles, only to hear the horrifying words, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Make your citizenship, make sure your citizenship is truly in heaven. Live as citizens of heaven, not as citizens of earth. Have you made sure that your citizenship is in heaven? Or have you put confidence in your flesh? Have you put confidence in your good works that are actually works of evil? Because we cannot earn anything. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I pray that today you would bow your head and you would offer your life to him and that he would do a radical change in your heart because salvation is done by God, not by us. Will you bow your heads? Will you pray? Gracious Lord, I pray that you, by the power of your spirit, begin to work in our hearts right now. Father, if there's things that you bring to our memory, things of conviction that we would be bold enough to confess, bold enough to expose, to bring to the light so that you can change us. Father, forgive us when we sin. None of us are there yet. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that it spurs us on. Father, I pray that those of us who are haunted by the sins of the past, that we would forget them and strive moving forward with our face fixed on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Father, we come before you, we're dependent upon you, and we thank you for the joy of being in you. In Christ's name, amen. Will you stand? Will you respond and worship?